morning, everyone. I'd like you to open up your Bibles to the book of First Peter. We're continuing our study of First Peter, and we'll be focusing our attention this morning on chapter one, verses four and five. Now, before we come to our scripture reading for this morning, I believe that it's important for us to have a clear understanding of the dominant term in verses four and five. That is the theme of inheritance. It's a theological term that has developed throughout the Bible, beginning in Genesis 12, 7. Now, we understand an inheritance from a technical point of view is those goods and estate that is passed on from uh, or to an heir. You, you own something. You write in your will. This is the person. This is the heir that will receive all that I own once I die. But there's a theological way that this term is used that's connected to the idea of receiving something from another. In Genesis 12:7, there we read, Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. The Lord promised to Abraham a land, that is the land of Canaan. A land that would be given to him and to his children as an inheritance. As we went through the book of Numbers last year, we saw that this land was divided among the people of Israel so that each tribe and each family were given a portion that would be their inheritance and that would be held by the family in perpetuity. That means forever. The possession of the land was to always return to a particular family that was given that land as their inheritance. The law is established so that the land does not fall out of ownership of a particular family for too long. So that at the end of 50 years, there was a jubilee, if you're familiar with that term in the Old Testament, in which all the possessions of the land, if they have come out of the possession of a family, will go back to that family. And so we read in Psalm 16, even as we spoke in our call to worship, the lines, that is the lines of this divided inheritance, have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. And so the theological use of inheritance in the Old Testament means the promised land of Israel. And within that promised land, the particular plot of land a family held in perpetuity, both given by the gracious hand of the Lord in fulfillment of his promise to Abraham. Now, as this theme develops throughout the Old Testament and into the New Testament, it becomes clear that God's promise of the land of Canaan to the descendants of Abraham was a foreshadowing. It was a type of a greater work of redemption. As the theme of inheritance comes to full fruition, we see that the land of Canaan was a type of the future renewed creation. The new heavens and the new earth which will be ushered in at the last time. The coming of Christ. And the descendants of Abraham who will inherit this renewed world are not merely his physical descendants, but rather those who are sons of Abraham by faith. As we read in Galatians 3, 7, know then that it is those of faith who are sons of Abraham. 
This is the promise that God has made to His people. That He will deliver them out of bondage to sin and death by the blood of Jesus Christ. And through faith in Him, we will be given a portion, a place, an inheritance in the renewed creation. As Paul says in Galatians 4, But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. God has caused us to be born into this family of faith. We have a new citizenship, not of this world, but in the world that is to come. Here we have no lasting portion, no lasting inheritance, no lasting city. We are exiles, we are aliens, we are pilgrims traveling forward to the city of the redeemed, the kingdom of God, the inheritance of the saints. And so in its fullest sense, the biblical theme of inheritance is a future reality. One that will come about when Christ returns. He will usher in to this inheritance a renewed people into a renewed creation. And there we will dwell for eternity. Never to be taken off of our land from the peace and glory of the world where there is no need The world where there will be no lack, no tears, and no end. That is the inheritance which Peter speaks of here in 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. Hear now the word and the promise of the Lord. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though you do not now see Him, you believe in Him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is God's holy word for us His people. Let us go to Him in prayer. Father God, Your Holy Spirit has inspired these words And through the generations have preserved them that even this day we might come to this Word. We pray, Holy Spirit, that You would continue Your work of communicating this Word of truth. That You would open our eyes that we might see and that You might change our hearts that we might believe. 
And in believing, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would sanctify us, that we might live this out in our lives for the honor and glory of Christ Jesus, our brother and our co-heir. Amen. An earthly inheritance is never a sure thing. I expect that you have experienced this uncertainty to some degree, or at least known someone who has. There is a hope that a future inheritance will provide a better future for you or for your children. Maybe it will pay off the house, provide enough money to retire early, pay for the children or grandchildren's college education. A parent or a grandparent supposedly has stores of wealth that will be released at the end of their life and you are in the will. Yet there are so many contingencies that make such a hope so insecure. For there are so many ways an inheritance can be lost. All of us, I believe, would desire our relatives and loved ones to live long lives and yet the longer they live, the less of inheritance there will be. Often, an inheritance necessarily and rightly is used for health care and end-of-life expenses. And no one should feel guilty about that, but then, after time, the inheritance is gone. Other times, an inheritance can be lost through a broken or strained relationship. A misunderstanding or an argument is played out in the will in such a way that an inheritance is diminished or completely lacking. There are times when an inheritance is lost to a family through a second marriage. Families lose businesses and farms through the taxes that are imposed upon larger estates. And what I've seen more often than not, an inheritance is received, but then it's squandered and wasted on frivolities and self-indulgence. Inheritance is never a secure thing. The book of Proverbs tells us a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. It's a good thing to leave an inheritance. It is a blessing to pass down to your children and your children's children a heritage. But we must be wary of placing our hope in receiving such an earthly inheritance. We must be cautioned yet again by the word of our Lord Jesus Christ who said, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. You see, the nature of this world, of this country, of this city is fleeting. It's insecure. The homes we build crumble over time. The money that we hide in our mattresses is stolen away by inflation. The investment accounts we accumulate rise and fall according to forces we have no control over. So where can we look for something that is secure? Well, the Word of God is teaching us this morning that we may have hope in a future inheritance. It is teaching us that there is a future wealth that we can count on receiving. We can have hope. We can have complete and total assurance that one day we will receive an inheritance that will never be taken away. The Apostle Peter, writing to a church that has endured much hardship, a church that no doubt has lost the hope of an earthly inheritance, he writes that they need not despair. And this morning, If you have no hope for an inheritance, you need not despair. 
For there is an inheritance that cannot be lost either by external circumstances nor by personal folly. For in verses 4 and 5, Peter explains that all Christians have an inheritance that is completely secure because God is guarding our inheritance for us. And He is guarding us for our inheritance. The first thing that we learn from our text for this morning is that we can have full confidence in our future inheritance because it is being guarded by God for us. Look down at verse 4 of our text. There it says, We have been born again. God has caused us to be born again. He has caused us to be sons. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. As we saw from last week, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ has caused us to be born again into a living hope. By the power of God, we have been reborn, and through this rebirth, we have entered into the family of God. We are now sons of Abraham, sons of the promise, co-heirs with Christ. Through faith in Christ and by the power of the Spirit of God, uniting us to Christ in His resurrection, we have died to this world and we have come into new eternal life in Christ. And since we are now sons of God, it means that we are heirs of the inheritance. As we read in Romans 8, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. We have an eternal inheritance because we are God's children. And toward that inheritance, we are given great and encouraging promises of security. First, we are told that this inheritance is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. As it says in verse 3, it is a living hope. The nature of what we will receive at Christ's coming is without decay. You're familiar with the term entropy in which all things are falling apart over time. But this principle is not at work in the new creation order. So much of what we do in this world is aimed at keeping things from falling apart or repairing things as they decay. Our forefathers had to salt and can all their food so that when it rot and decay before they could eat it. And still today, we add preservatives to our food to keep them from going bad. We refrigerate, we freeze, we vacuum seal, all in an attempt to keep things fresh. I know people that are preppers. Maybe some of you are preppers, right? And you buy this vacuum sealed food and you think this will last forever, but it won't. We can only keep the decay of this world at bay for a while. And eventually everything breaks down. There is a reason that all of your food has an expiration date on it. Because we live in a world that is perishable. That spoils. That fades. And in this life, there are homes and lands, 
bank accounts and inheritances that we believe will provide permanent security, a permanent place to live, a permanent place to gather, a permanent source of income, a permanent guard against wealth or want. But the things of this world are fleeting. Nothing is permanent. And over time, they will all fade away. But there is an inheritance that has been won by Christ, our brother, that will not fade. For when he rose from the dead, he defeated decay in his body. Decay and perishability pulls on our bodies, but Christ has overcome it. His resurrection body does not age. It does not grow weak. It does not grow old. Christ lives in open defiance of the forces of death. His body is imperishable. His body is undefiled. His body is unfading. Not just 2,000 years ago, but even now. For Christ, our brother, sits on the throne of heaven in a body. Even now. A body that once dwelt and walked upon this ground. And this body is composed of this earth. And yet, by the power of His resurrection... His body has been renewed and it's been restored to a state of incorruptibility. Therefore, our inheritance is secure. It cannot fade. It cannot be taken away because the forces of decay have been defeated. As verse 3 says, through the resurrection of Christ. Our hope is not an insecure dying hope. It is an eternally secure living hope. For our hope is Jesus Christ Himself. Death cannot touch it. Now, not only that, but our inheritance is also a guarded hope. The text says that our inheritance is kept or guarded in heaven. The Lord God does not slumber or sleep, as you know. His eye is ever watchful and His power is without measure. Therefore, there is no external force in all the created world that could threaten the inheritance that has been promised to us. The very gates of hell and the legions of the devil might come against it, but they can do nothing to diminish the inheritance that we have. For our inheritance is in heaven being watched over by God. So place your hope there, Christian. Draw your courage to live an exile life from the security of your future reward. Live with an open hand here, knowing that God in heaven has your wealth, your inheritance in the grip of His hand in heaven and nothing can snatch it away from Him. For the security of your future inheritance should have massive implications on the way that you live your life presently and the way you approach future security. For it means that you can stop searching for your security and financial peace here. Of course, we should be wise with the resources God has given to us. God often provides for our daily bread through our hard work and wise management. His word encourages us that we are to provide as we are able for our needs and for the needs of our families, not being a burden to others. As we read in the book of Proverbs, it's good to leave an inheritance to our children's children. 
But if we take God's word as truth, then we also understand that in the long term, all of these earthly accounts are quickly headed towards worthless. There are no true long-term investments that make any sense. So divest yourself from this world and begin to invest in the kingdom that is coming. Take your wealth from the failing economy of earth and place it in the eternally prosperous economy of God's kingdom. Desire more than leaving a lump of decaying cash for your children, but rather give to them a godly heritage of faith in Jesus Christ, which will endure to all eternity. For this is an inheritance that will not fade. It is being guarded by God Himself. And therefore, we, will have, we should have much encouragement, much security, because God is guarding our inheritance. Now, a lost inheritance is a major theme that the Bible uses to explain the results of sin. When Adam and Eve sinned, what happened to them? They were sent out of the garden. When Israel disobeyed God, they were exiled from Canaan, the promised land, the land of their inheritance. And still today, we live with the effects of of inheritance lost by our own sin. For we were all to be heirs of a world of fruitfulness and blessing. But when sin entered this world, it began its work of decay. So then, how do we know, right? Okay, God has it secure for us up there. But how do we know that we won't ruin it ourselves? How do you know that we who are in Christ will not fall prey to the remaining effect of sin in our lives and lose our inheritance yet again. For what good is a guarded inheritance if there's no heir? Peter answers this question in verse 5. Look there. He says, The elect exiles are those who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Peter uses the term salvation and inheritance somewhat interchangeably in these two verses. The salvation is seen as the inheritance. The inheritance is what we receive when salvation comes. Not only is God guarding our inheritance for us, He's also guarding us for our inheritance. That is, God is exerting His power to ensure that there will be both an inheritance and an heir. God has ensured that He will have a people for His own possession that will in fact receive His kingdom. In Philippians 1, Paul explains this truth of our security in Christ saying, And I am sure of this, that He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Why, children of God, would your Father cause you to be born and then let you fall from the grace into which He has caused you to be born? Why would He allow a child adopted through faith in Jesus Christ to fall away from the family? He won't. His Word continually promises us that He will cause His people, His saints, to persevere in the faith. 
His Word continually promises that He will deliver us from evil and from temptation. That He will provide a means of escape. That He will not allow anything to snatch us out of His hand. That there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord, including including death itself. Now, this guarding is not done without reference to us. God is guarding us, but He is doing it through changing us. Through the instrument of faith. For when He caused our rebirth, He gave to us, to His children, the gift of faith. Faith in Jesus Christ. And it is through that gift of faith that He continues to guard us unto salvation. We are guarded as we turn from our own power and the allurement of this world's riches and place our hope for life, for life eternal, and for an inheritance in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ alone. If you're here this morning and you're thinking, I I don't know what this man is talking about. What inheritance is he referring to? What does he mean that there is treasure in heaven? What does he mean that we are secured by the blood of Christ alone? How can I come to know this? You come to know it through faith in Jesus Christ. Hoping, placing all of your hope for future reward and inheritance upon the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. For the Scriptures tell us that if we place our faith in the resurrection of Jesus, that we will receive an inheritance. And if you Trust Him alone for forgiveness of sin through His shed blood. And you look to Him alone for a future inheritance, not based upon your life and your reward, but His life alone. Then you will be saved. And you will be ushered into this kingdom. We are so prone to wander. We are so prone to leave the God that we love. But by His grace, He constrains us through this gift of faith. He binds us to His eternal favor in such a way that not one of His sheep will ever be lost. We can have great assurance because He guards the inheritance and He guards the heir. Now I love the way that this verse ends. Look down at the last phrase there of our text. It says that we are being guarded through faith for a salvation. That's what we just talked about. We're guarded. We're guarded through faith. Faith in Christ for salvation. Now this is the phrase. Ready to be revealed in the last time. Our inheritance. Our salvation. It's ready. The delay in receiving it, has nothing to do with God trying to get our inheritance prepared. It is in heaven. It is there. It is ready. He is merely waiting for His time, for the last time, for the day of Christ to reveal it to us. I think of it kind of like a meal that's already been prepared. Right, You are in the living room hanging out and, uh, and somebody is in the kitchen making this meal and you can smell that it's ready. The ham is cooked. 
The green beans have been prepared. The rolls are warm and buttery. The mashed potatoes have been perfectly seasoned. The sweet tea is in a glass with ice with just a little bit of condensation on the side. And all you're waiting for is mom to say that it's dinner time. When Jesus died on the cross, he declared, it's finished. As he promised his disciples, he has prepared a place for them. By his death, he purchased an inheritance. And by his resurrection, we know that his inheritance that will never decay, will never go bad, will never spoil. And as Peter says here, it is ready. And now all that there is left to do is wait for his timing. We don't need to worry that it will be lost or spoiled. All we need to do is long for His appearing. Don't you want Jesus to return, Christian? Does not hope and anticipation for that day well up inside of you as you read His Word? For we are going home. We are going to an inheritance that will satisfy. We are going to a land that will provide in perfect abundance. We are going to a fellowship that will meet all of our needs for society. We are going to a God that will eternally shine upon us in an unending day. How can we have assurance of this inheritance? It's ready. It's already purchased. It's waiting for us. It's guarded. God's not going to let it be spoiled. And on our journey home, we know that we too, along the way, no matter the hardships, no matter the trouble, no matter the deprivation that we experience in this life, we too are guarded unto eternal salvation. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, even in the book of 1 Peter, you tell us all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower fails, but the word of the Lord remains forever. May we who are gathered here this morning receive the gift of faith. You would cause us to be born again that You would give us adoption as sons and You would impart into us Your Spirit that would cry out, Abba, Father, so that we would know and have assurance that as children of God, we are truly heirs. And that we need no longer rest our security in this world, but we might place our security in the inheritance of the world that is to come. Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus, and save Your people. Amen.